I've always believed that Tuesdays are arguably the worst days of the week. Think about it, you still feel the weekend high on Mondays, then Tuesdays come and you're sandwiched between Monday and three more business days before the next break. This Tuesday started out just off. I left the house 10 minutes later than usual due to an email I received from an angry client and I must have been unable to proceed with my morning routine until I sent a response because that's exactly what happened. Then, while I was crossing the street to the office, I was so anxiously distracted by the email exchange that I didn't notice the traffic light turn green just as I started on the crosswalk. I was immediately bombarded with car horns and cuss words from angry businessmen and women also running later than usual for work. Other pedestrians couldn't help but look my way and take in the spectacle. Keep your head down, James, I thought to myself. Just make it inside the office. And even my clients were difficult to navigate through. Each 15-minute session seemed to last forever, and I found it hard to concentrate. It was 1.30 p.m., and I was in the middle of catching up on client notes when my phone started ringing. I figured it would be Tyler calling to tell me how his morning presentation went at work, but no, it was Grace calling. Strange. Hello? I answered. Hey, James. I'm sorry, you're probably busy at work. I could hear her crying on the other end, trying to catch her breath. No, you're fine. I responded as nurturingly as possible. What's up? Almost instantly, Grace completely broke down. It was a duet of constant crying and moaning. If she was actually saying words, I didn't understand any of them. It was then I started to try to piece together why she might be calling. I hadn't heard from Grace since Wilson and I were still together. He had moved in with her when we sold the house. That was over three years ago. The last I had heard, they were still roommates. Oh God, my mind went immediately to the dark place. Something must be wrong with Wilson. Grace, is it Wilson? I asked with urgency. Grace continued to cry on the other end. I could hear her taking deep breaths to compose herself. My heart began to drop. Oh, James, I'm so sorry. What happened? I asked with little patience. Wilson, um, passed away. The color in my vision began to fade, just black and white covered by a gray filter. I wasn't even fully aware of where I was. You know he had heart issues, she continued. Well, the doctors say it must have failed on him. He went to sleep last night and he just didn't wake up. Something as simple as my breathing seemed difficult and in need of reminding. Process. I help my clients do it all day long. How does one process this? I suddenly hated myself for making it sound so simple in sessions. I've processed through difficult news before, but none quite this painful. 
next thing I remember, I was sitting on the floor in my office next to the sofa, staring at the wall. No tears, no external signs of emotion, just still. I remember my supervisor knocked on the door and found me. She sat next to me and asked what had happened. I couldn't get the words out. They were stuck in my mind like prisoners. My ex-husband died. Heart failure. Wilson might not have been the right life partner for me, but he was such a light. A light that endured constant rejection. His family, his friends, even his own husband. And now his heart, too. I remember the day we signed the divorce papers. I told him through tears I loved him and always would. He nodded his head and said the same thing back to me. No drama, no fuss, just heartbreak on both ends. It wasn't that there was a falling out. Something was just missing and we weren't loving each other in the right way. He would have adjusted to anything if it meant me staying. Of course, I could only remember the pain, especially on a day like this. How I hurt him. Would he still be alive had I stayed? Was my big decision that affected both of us the catalyst for this tragic end? Even with these thoughts racing through my head, I was still emotionless, unable to produce a single tear. To cry felt both merited and selfish, valid and inappropriate. My supervisor told me to go home and that she would cancel the rest of my clients for the day. I collected my things and walked out of the office, this time completely immune to car horns and cuss words. It felt almost like an out-of-body experience, thinking about where Wilson was now. The question of heaven's reality, reincarnation, the possibility of life simply ending, darkness. I got in my car and turned the radio off. I kept the windows rolled up despite the lack of AC. Dealing with the heat seemed like a fair sentence. Where do I go? I could have gone to Tyler's apartment. He works from home after all, but I couldn't face him yet. And frankly, I didn't want to talk about it anyway. I also was terrified of going home for some reason. I decided to just drive. I circled Lancaster three times before I decided to head home, just thinking, reliving the life I shared with Wilson and the trust he had put in me before I ripped the floor out from underneath him, saying that I wanted a divorce. Any cars past me would have thought I was a zombie on autopilot, and they wouldn't have been far off. I looked down at my silenced phone and saw three missed calls and a text from Tyler saying, are you okay? Where are you? I looked at the clock in my car. 8.12 p.m. I should have been home two and a half hours ago. I didn't realize how long I had been going, and now I had Tyler worried. I pulled into the driveway of my complex. I saw Tyler's car parked in a lot. He was sitting on the cement step in front of the entrance door with his arms around his knees. Normally, seeing him would excite me, this time was different. He stood up as I got out of the car. 
I noticed I was emotionally shut off and felt the need to just make it inside. Where have you been? Tyler sounded panic as he approached me. I've been calling you for the last two hours. I'm sorry, my phone's been on silent. It's past eight o'clock. You get out of work late? No, I was just driving around, I said solemnly. You were just driving around, Tyler repeated. We were supposed to have dinner tonight. What's going on? Dinner, I completely forgot. I walked around him to continue heading towards the apartment complex. Can we just go inside, please? Tyler followed me, confused and irritated. We made it inside my apartment and I turned the lights on. I placed my bag and keys in their usual spot by the door and then headed to the kitchen to pour myself a glass of water. Tyler leaned his shoulder against the kitchen wall and watched, waiting for more communication. I pretended like I didn't notice. James. I looked towards him after taking a sip from my glass. What? Are we going to talk about this? No. I'd give anything to just be alone. I'm sorry I didn't get your calls. I responded sincerely. I didn't mean to worry you. Tyler took another step towards me, crossing his arms over his chest. I'm not talking about the missed calls. There's something else going on, and you're not telling me. Tyler, it was just a weird day, okay? Okay, that's fine, but you can't blame me for being concerned. You get home hours later than usual without any word and completely disregarded plans we made. I forgot about the dinner. I didn't even realize how late it was. No, you do this. Tyler argued. When things get difficult, you shut down and you shut me out. I told you how much it hurts when you do that. He wasn't wrong. Did something happen at work? With a client? He asked. I paused. I knew I needed to say it out loud, but it was harder than I thought. Even though this was the reality, the words would make it feel so final. Wilson had been gone for at least 12 hours, and I was afraid to say it out loud, as if keeping it in might reverse everything. Meanwhile, there's Tyler, this man I've grown to love so much, the man I was afraid to love because I felt like I didn't deserve anyone else after hurting Wilson like I did. And there I was, hurting him. It was time, time to say it out loud. I braced my hands on the counter and took a deep breath. Grace called me while I was at work. I paused again, hoping Tyler would connect the dots so I wouldn't have to say it. No response. Wilson died this morning. I looked down as to avoid any eye contact. There was silence. I looked over towards Tyler and saw him frozen in the same stance he was before. There we were, staring at each other, neither brave enough to break the quietness that fell over the room like a silent movie. It was suddenly too much, and for the first time all day, I broke down. The 
tears came rushing down with what felt like a mighty force. I felt myself feeling weak and wasn't able to stand up on my own. Tyler immediately rushed towards me. He caught me and slowly sank to the floor, holding me in his arms. I remember feeling the inability to control myself for one of the first times in my life. I couldn't help but soak Tyler's sleeve with my tears while moaning into his chest. I gripped the back of his shirt, trying to ground myself. The more I let out, the tighter he held me. There were no words. There didn't need to be. Even while this happened, I couldn't help but think about Wilson not having arms to hold him. That job once belonged to me, but I knew I couldn't love him well. Who am I to feel so hurt by this when I'm the one who pushed him away? As I continued to release my emotions, Tyler spoke softly next to my ear. I'm so sorry, baby. I fought against my natural go-to of being the caregiver and let him be there with me. It wasn't easy. Before that, being strong always felt more like an obligation than a choice. You loved him well. He knew that. Tyler whispered as I clung onto him as if life depended on it. I knew the next few days would be unimaginably difficult. However, in that moment, it felt okay to just be there on the floor, broken. <laughs>